Hi, I'm Georgie Frost and welcome to All About Apprenticeships, brought to you by the HomeServe Foundation. Coming up, we're talking the apprenticeship levy, the truth. What is it? Why is it so important? And is it actually working? Meanwhile, Apprenticeships Minister Gillian Keegan has called it an historic moment for education. But will the new skills bill actually address the skills shortages once and for all? And with new analysis showing apprenticeship reforms are increasingly disadvantaging those from low-income areas, we ask, is enough being done to increase social mobility? Well, joining me to discuss, this is Tim Smith from Multi and Lizzie Crowley, Senior Skills Advisor at the CIPD, the Professional Body for HR and People Development. Welcome to you both. Let's start with the new Skills Bill, shall we? Lizzie, um, briefly, what's in it and what is it designed to do? The main thing was trying to put college um, employers at the heart of the kind of college sort of VFE system um, through a range of um, mechanisms. These include things like kind of college business centres, um, a sort of re-envisaged role for a network of colleges within you know regions, um, local skills improvement plan trailblazers, which aim to kind of uh, you know sort of addr- address local skills shortages. Um, so, you know, there's a lot in there and also sort of focusing on, on you know, funding settlements to try and create sort of longer term funding settlements for colleges, which are actually more driven by outcomes rather than just sort of bums on seats. Is it going to be any good? Is it going to address the challenges that we seem to speak about every week around these skills shortages? Um, well, I think, you know, we've definitely broadly welcomed many of the reforms set out in the white paper. The UK does have a clear gap in terms of the provision of technical and higher level qualifications. And this FE white paper aims to, to rebalance some of that. But actually, are they doing enough? Well, I'd first start by following the money. Um, and while additional funding via the National Skills Fund, for instance, is welcome, the IFS have actually um, estimated that this will only reverse about one third of the cuts to adult education since 2010. And also, if you look at the funding settlement for FE and sixth form colleges, it actually only equates to an additional sort of £40, £400 million per year, which goes nowhere near closing the £1 billion funding gap for 16 to 19 year old you know, education. So are they doing enough? Probably not, is my view. Tim, your view, opportunity perhaps wasted here and what's in it for apprenticeships? I think broadly, um, it's a fantastic thing that we are having a skills bill to begin with. Um, uh, it will go some way to levelling the the playing field between technical and university education, which has got to be a good thing. And I think there is a real opportunity which the government is kind of razor focused on on trying to secure, which is trying to make sure that you're not disadvantaged if you live in a particular area of the country where perhaps your your local college and your local FE provision isn't brilliant. Um, and if there are more powers for uh, the DFE to intervene and to try and you know deal with uh, providers who aren't brilliant then that's that's got to be a good thing and likewise i think the opportunity of the the local skills improvement boards where you've got employers working with local colleges is that you have a better chance for companies to be able to actually invest in the skills of their workforce which should create um more opportunities for for kind of everywhere in the country um is it going to change the the big picture in terms of the number of apprenticeships and the number of opportunities in the country Again, as Lizzie said, you've got to follow the money. Um, and I, I don't think uh, there's that much in this bill that's going to do that um, uh, in, in and of itself. But combined with a 
proper funding package, I think it could have a really positive impact. Well, regular listeners will remember that in episode one of this new series, we actually talked about the challenges around social mobility and apprenticeships with John Cope from UCAS. Middle class kids um, are now going for apprenticeships in greater numbers than ever. And actually, there are some real issues um, appearing in apprenticeships about people from more deprived backgrounds and people from ethnic minority backgrounds, um, people with disabilities or special educational needs um, actually struggling to get an apprenticeship. Um, And this is kind of like a, it's almost like a perverse uh, indicator that the system is working because actually because apprenticeships are becoming more uh, higher profile, greater prestige around them, they're becoming much more desirable. But we've got to keep in mind that you know, apprenticeships originally are all of a tool of social justice and trying to give an opportunity to everybody. And we can't forget that. Now, every week have done some research, which backs up the concerns of our two guests that were in that episode over this two tier apprenticeship system about what they call the middle class grab on apprenticeships. Tim, is this fair? Is this a fair concern that a system is failing young people or certainly a big group of young people, those on lower incomes? Certainly some of the stats that have come out are are worrying um, and um, they should be cause for everyone who is involved in trying to make apprenticeships a success to to really wake up and pay attention. Um, I think ultimately apprenticeships can be a really powerful tool for providing social mobility and for overcoming some of the disadvantages that the privilege of people's backgrounds can present. So the very fact that you are learning, um, you're you're earning on on the job through your learning means that there's no um, economic requirement for being able to access an apprenticeship. It doesn't rest on people having um, large pockets of cash to sit on. Um, and then the fact that they are, uh, you know, the outcomes from apprenticeships are incredibly positive. The fact that you're actually more likely to end up in training um, or work than you are if you've done a university degree means they can be an incredible accelerant to people's careers. Um, and it is only right that as we look to provide you know, more routes to social mobility, that they should be part of the solution. Now, um, clearly, there are uh, you know there are elements of the system, and if, particularly if you look at things like degree apprenticeships, eleven um, percent of degree apprenticeships going to people who have been to private schools, for example, um, is a sign that there is there's more to do in some areas. I think there there is an there is a valid argument to be made that the prestige of an apprenticeship is really important, and the fact that um, people of every uh, every strata of society I want to go after these opportunities um, does demonstrate that we have at least proved one thing, which is that apprenticeships are a really high quality uh, way to begin your career. That that should be something that we should acknowledge. Um, I think ultimately the question is, what can we do about it? And there are two things that really stand out to me. The first is this question of access and who gets access to the opportunities. Um, the truth is talented people are everywhere across society, even if the opportunities that are presented to them are not. And so given an apprenticeship is created when a company um, wants to wants wants to create one, um, the onus really is on is on companies to say, who are we recruiting? How are we trying to go beyond just the kind of people who hear about our jobs from our networks um, and have had careers advice that pushes them in the right direction? How do we find those pockets of talent and potential that might otherwise be unavailable to us? And then the second thing, once you've got over the access to the jobs, is actually how you uh, create a culture within a within a company, within a learning environment that is genuinely welcoming to people of all backgrounds. Um, one of the things that we've 
worked really hard actually at Multiverse is um, this concept of community. So a lot of people who have immensely privileged backgrounds tend to know other people who are also very privileged, who can open doors for them, um, who can tell them about the next job that's coming up. Um, and if you're if you haven't grown up in a circumstance like that, then actually you're less likely to have those kind of opportunities. And so what we've tried to do for apprenticeships uh, and for our apprentices, and it, it, it's happening elsewhere across the sector as well in, in smaller ways, um, is to try and give apprentices access to people um, to build their networks, to make sure that they're getting that social capital that can stand them um, through the course of their careers as well. And I think, you know, I think adopting those kind of approaches can be really helpful for making sure that social mobility is a genuine outcome from the apprenticeship system. They do, but it does seem like quite, not quite a lot to be asked on companies. I think companies should be doing that. But if we look at companies generally in businesses, many of them don't get, we know this, we know that they don't get social mobility right we know they don't get things like gender pay gap right all of these things so are we supposed to wait a a long time until we do get this is there not a danger that we're going to get lizzie what we're talking about here this this two-tier system before we can speed up and get companies to to really act in the best interest of everybody and find that talent because it is quite hard to find. Yes, yeah. And I think sort of there's a bit of a, a carrot and a stick thing here. So, you know, I'd echo a lot of what Tim said. You know, I think it is really encouraging that the recognition of the value of an apprenticeship as a way to get in and get on in a career is increasingly being recognised. You know, however, I'm just not sure about whether, you know, employers rebadging their graduate entry programs as apprenticeships as a way to recoup levy money, which I know we're going to talk about later. I'm not sure that's a sign of success here and whether it's actually just employers essentially using public money to pay for what they were doing anyway. So I think we need to think more about actually how do you incentivize employers to, you know, take young people on from more disadvantaged backgrounds into these kind of high privilege kind of routes. And partly that might be through, you know, looking at, you know, the the whether individuals who already have a high level of qualification, maybe are already degree educated. If an employer wants to take someone on like that into their degree apprenticeship program, in my view, they should potentially need to co-invest some of their own money rather than use, you know, money from the, their, their levy pot to fund that. Um, secondly, thinking about how we reject the balance um, more broadly, you know, higher education, we, there is a potential to learn from that sector when looking at access to apprenticeships. So, for instance, creating you know, an access fund which supports um, young people from more disadvantaged backgrounds sort of um, access these, you know, apprenticeships, you know, degree level apprenticeships as an example. So there is definitely more that we can do here, but, you know, maybe we need to lean more on the stick um, in some of these cases instead of waiting for employer behaviour to change. Tim, are you ever a fan of targets? Uh, I think metrics are hugely useful. What you know, there's this old cliche that what gets measured gets made, um, and uh, I think I think it is good that we're. You know, the only reason we're able to have the discussion is because data is collected in the first place, um, and I think that's the, the first step towards correcting it. I think um, you know it's an interesting it's an interesting idea how we use levy money to uh, encourage apprenticeships in certain areas, um, and I think the. The blunt truth is, at the moment, there is no shortage of levy funding available to go on apprenticeships. Um, and so really, we should be looking for for more of everything. Um, 
you know, the truth is, if you're a, if you're a graduate from a you know from a, f- a fifth of a fifth of university graduates never earn a premium that's large enough to make up for the cost of their tuition. Um, some of those people are completely deserving of the opportunity that an apprenticeship can can provide. And so I would be I would be slightly hesitant to say um, you know we should we should hold back on saying that those individuals don't also need need support, particularly when we consider the pace of, of technological change that's happening and the fact that actually all of us are going to have to go through some level of reskilling through their through their careers. The um, you know the, the the degree that I have from over a decade ago is not really up to scratch for what I'm doing now, and it certainly won't be what I'm doing in ten years time. Um, and then I think ultimately when it comes to incentives and how we do it. I mean, the, the incentives for the employers are there. It is, a, it is a fact that the more diverse your teams are, the better the outcomes you get in, in business. And using whatever routes you can to try and recruit a from a broader pool of people um, and have a, uh, you know, whether it's leadership teams or early talent who better represent the societies you want to serve, whether that's you know, ethnicity, geography, or gender, um, it's it's got to be a good thing. And, and I think businesses are, you know, businesses do know that. They see it more, they tend to see it much faster than governments do um, and are trying to react um, uh, in accordance with that. We probably just don't really have enough data available from, from DFE to measure many of these things, particularly with kind of social mobility. So, I mean, I think more and better data. I'm not necessarily saying we, we need targets around the portion of apprenticeships going to certain groups, but we need to watch what's happened, be a bit more cited about the impact that these reforms are having on, on different groups, um, and then sort of be able to look at ways in which we, you know, shift incentives, try and change behavior. But in most, most cases, I do agree that a lot of the time it's it comes down to um, how we actually provide additional support for employers in this space too, um, in terms of advice and guidance, because I know that a lot of our members are really, really great at this. They recognize all of the stuff that Tim's been talking about. However, there's a lot of employers out there who actually really need much more support around making strategic decisions about what particular skills programs might benefit their organizations. And in particular, you know, I'm talking about, you know, some of those smaller employers which haven't done well out of the current, um, you know, reforms that then it's quite difficult for them to access sort of non-levy funding as an example. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, that there's, we could do much more with the data we've got. We've all talked about the apprenticeship levy, um, and I feel like a bit remiss that I haven't got you to explain in actual detail what it is and how it works. But after reading an article in in FE Week, it seems like that's actually um, a little bit more of a difficult task because the editor wrote that not only is the government refusing to share its spending data publicly, but it's even failing to properly explain how the policy works. So, Tim, if the government can't explain, and I'm hoping you can. The apprenticeship levy... um uh, takes business, uh, businesses who have an annual payroll of more than three million pounds a year pay a, a levy of zero point five percent of that payroll to the government, um, which they can then spend um, on uh, regulated apprenticeship training, um, uh, which ha- has to be on an apprenticeship. They have to last longer than a year. Um, they uh, they mandate that those apprentices spend at least twenty percent off the job in training and end up with a qualification that they can put on their CV and then use for the rest of their careers. Um, the employer can choose 
where that training goes within a list of regulated qualifications. And the money sits in their in their online account for two years. Um, and if they do not use it in that time, it is returned to um, the treasury, uh, where broadly it is used to fund the rest of the apprenticeship system. So non-levy funding that goes to small businesses, um, uh, the cost of employer incentives, and no doubt some of it will also just go back into um, the, uh, the the general public accounts. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's been you know a cause of um, discussion and debate since then. It is a very novel type of tax for um, the United Kingdom. We don't have many hypothecated taxes that are, are designed to be spent on specific things um, like this. But when it was introduced, um, it was it was really introduced for for three different reasons, and different people who who think about it um, uh, tend to pick up on individual uh, elements at different times. So one is to create opportunities for young people. Another is to um, just deal with UK productivity um, by improving the general skills base of the labour market. And the third is really just to get companies to spend money um, on upskilling their upskilling their, their workforces. We often have this kind of slightly rose-tinted view of, you know, particularly for some reason, Germany, but other, other European companies where there is a much stronger tradition of investing in your workforce. And um, it was certainly in the minds of, of, of ministers. Um, I was in government at the time, um, that that was uh, one of the reasons why we should introduce such a policy. Is it actually working? You know, what would we give it if we were to mark it? B minus? A star? Our assessment is that it's failing on all of those measures. Um, I mean, mm, okay, as a revenue yeah. raising tool, I mean, it's obviously been a success. Um, however, if you look at the data, I mean, but, you know, those are quite big asks, though, admittedly, the uh, sort of three areas that, that Tim just outlined there, you know, employer investment, you know, in, you know, the volume and the level of investment in training in the UK has been in long term decline for about sort of 20 years. Um, and the levy hasn't arrested that decline, actually, you know, the, the decline has continued um, you know, something which is perhaps more controllable, um, you know, is the number of apprenticeships going to young people. Again, you know, that that's not happened, actually. The share, the proportion going to young people has actually contracted. Um, and then if you look at sort of, I mean, there was sort of the other aim, which was to drive up the quality of apprenticeships, you know, when the government sort of stated its objectives in, in the case for for this levy. And, you know, on that measure, I think actually, you know, there's definitely been more success. Um, the number of training hours per apprentice has increased quite, you know, quite significantly. A lot of the, um, what we might have called relatively poor provision, you know, in some cases, individuals didn't even know they were on an apprenticeship, um, you know, has been stamped out. Um, so, but I mean, I think, I think sort of for me, if you if you look at um, the overall impact, it's not just about um, you know the volume of employer investment. It's actually what they've been spending their their levy, levy money on, um, and you know our research has shown that quite a significant proportion of it is in rebadging um, existing um, government um, employer um, training programs into an apprenticeship. And whilst that might not necessarily be you know, a really damaging thing, because in some cases, those individuals will have a qualification and able to signal to another employer that they've reached an occupational competency, which before, you know, they just had company-specific training. 
So, you know, there are some positive benefits from that. But if you're actually thinking about it, is that a good good use of, um, you know, sort of public money? And the levy is now public money. You know, I think that is questionable. So, yes, I think we're, we're very concerned with um, the number of employers writing it off as a tax, um, the sort of the perverse incentives which lead to rebadging, and in particular, um, the fact that actually employers are increasingly focusing their investment on already highly um, experienced and in some cases highly qualified staff. And this has been to the detriment of young people um, and, you know, as a, as, as a pathway into um, the labour market for, for young people in the education system. So I think we can confidently say apprenticeship levy nil point. Uh, from the CIPD. Um, Also, actually, Ben Wilmot, your head of public policy, saying the levy is failing to deliver the right results for learners and employers. We need an effective system more than ever if the government's levelling up agenda is to succeed. Um, Tim, nil point from you? I think I'm slightly more um, optimistic about it. And I think there have been, I think there have been some successes that are that are worth recording. So you're absolutely right around the, the quality of training. Um, it it has gone up. Um, it's also provoked a very large number of companies that had never considered having an apprenticeship scheme before to take a look at this this idea and go, should we just be relying on um, the university sector to be telling us who we should recruit on our graduate schemes, or can we begin to, um, you know, recruit people? on the basis of talents and potential rather than just, you know, who's got the best degrees from the best universities. Um, and you've seen a lot of tech companies and some professional services companies that have, that have, have used this, these, this approach for the first time, um, which, you know, is genuinely interesting and, and is actually something that I think a lot of, com- lot of countries would, would like to find a way to emulate. Um, and then I guess when it comes to the, the impact on the learner, I think, you know, overall, the reason the government is is pursuing this policy is because apprenticeships do offer something that is um, genuinely different and genuinely worth protecting um, to uh, regular corporate training or graduate schemes. In that, you know, they they have to have a, there are there are guarantees on quality because there is um, you know there's decent duration, um, there is a regulated credential at the end of it, which allows somebody to take it with them um, through their career um, rather than saying. You know, I was I was trained to do this do, do this job for the next six months and then you know take a promotion after that, um, and it, that is kind of borne out in the the evidence um, that that comes out uh, from people who've been through an apprenticeship, um, uh, and so actually just last week the DfE published some outcomes data um, that demonstrates that individuals get a fifteen to twenty percent pay rise um, as a result of their as a result of their apprenticeships. Um, it has a fantastic return on investment for uh, the government um, versus a very large number of um, projects that they do end up funding. So um, I think uh, there have been elements of success. I mean, definitely, um, you know, overall numbers have, have have gone down rather than up since the levy was introduced. But there's also a slight danger that we, we judge this policy on the basis of things that happened during the pandemic. Actually, in the year before 
the, the year before the, the pandemic, apprenticeship numbers were going up. Um, uh, again, admittedly not as high as they'd been pre-levy, but they were they were showing signs of return. And, that, and you know, for a new policy that did demonstrate some quite radical change, it does deserve a bit of time to bed in with employers so they can work out where they can get use of this and where they can't. Lizzie, how would you change this? This is about flexibility and how it in terms of how it can be used and redistributed? I mean, could it be used for wages, for example, not just training costs? Or do we just scrap it and try again? Or could it could it be reworked? Um, in my view, there are a number of ways of which, you know, that it, that it could be reshaped going forward. Um, I mean, I think sort of, I mean, if you look at some of the other countries, many um, of them don't hand the, the levy back to um, employers, you know, in the form of... Uh, you know, sort of levy funding and let them spend it on on whatever they want. You know, that type of thing. You know, would would sort of you know have a huge amount of dead weight. However, in our view, you know, we are campaigning for more flexibilities in it. Um, so employers would be able to spend the money on other forms of you know accredited training and development. Um, I mean, particularly kind of in our view that that would help some of the unintended consequences of you know the levy uh, the levy and the apprenticeship system as it currently stands. So if you look at the top apprenticeships, you know for the last two three years, the top standard was like things like team leader and supervisor you know, sort of a lot of generic management apprenticeships. In our view, the UK does have a severe um, deficit in terms of leadership and management skills, but we don't think apprenticeships, which are quite rigid, quite inflexible, and actually really quite ex- quite expensive, are a way in which to address that, you know, sort of national skills shortage. So, you know, potentially, so if you look at it through um, trying to strengthen local and sectoral um, relationships with the skills system. So these new local skills improvement plans, for instance, could identify um, local sector, um, uh, local skills shortages and challenges. And then some of the kind of ring fence levy money could actually be used by them to strategically um, address local um, skills market failures. And then sort of a greater proportion of levy money could be freed up to actually be spent on on young people who, in my view, you know, I know that there's some great stuff out there with apprenticeships being used for upskilling and reskilling. But in my view, they're predominantly they should be used for people who actually don't have experience in a role that they haven't been an existing employee for a significant amount of time. They're, they're kind of a key mechanism to, to gain occupational competence. Um, and, you know, I think otherwise we risk diluting the brand and an apprenticeship becomes, you know, a proxy for any type of workforce training, which, you know, sort of, um, you know, it, it shouldn't in my view. I think the big challenge is, is down to numbers and in particular the access that small businesses get to apprenticeship funding. Um, I think they, they do have a massive, of, uh, I think they do have a really strong um, capability in terms of providing the skills that employers need. If you think about the, uh, and not just employers, but also the UK and the UK economy, if you think about where these big skills gaps are, they're in, they are in, 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 the, in the, the areas that Lizzie mentions, but also in digital and tech, um, in green you know, green growth, um, uh, and then in different types of manufacturing. Um, and actually, when I look through the, the fastest growing areas of, a, of apprenticeships, last year, um, 
despite COVID, um, there was a, over 200% growth in software engineering apprenticeships. Um, and uh, there was a there was more than doubling in uh, data analyst apprenticeships, for example. So they are, they're responding to what employers need. There's just a bit of a challenge over who gets, which employers get access to that. And I think um, uh, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to seeing how they, uh, how it has an impact is um, a service that the government is launching this summer, uh, which is going to get very complicated very quickly, but it's a, a levy matching service, um, which allows, will make it easier for large companies who have unspent apprenticeship levy to donate it to small businesses, ideally those within their supply chain, um, so that SMEs can get access to money to pay for training. Um, I think that's a really logical uh, next step to make sure that more of that levy funding is used and used in um, the type of small businesses that are going to be creating opportunities um, for, for for young people. Where, it, um, you know, as as Lee says, Lizzie said, it can be um, you know put to maximum use. In March, to be fair, um, the Department for Education said it was committed to quote, improve the working of the levy and we'll be making improvements in response to employers' feedback. Tim, you speak politics. Um, Do you sense that they're willing to listen and adapt? They genuinely believe that that one of the advantages of the UK system is that it is employer-led. So it depends on companies saying, these are our skills gaps, these are what we need, um, and therefore creating opportunities. And I think you've you've kind of begun to see that actually through the skills bill that we were discussing earlier when it comes to to, to local provision and FE colleges. Um, uh, they also have to take a decision about what is worthy of, of funding from public money. Um, and uh, so they are... Uh, they will, they will undoubtedly, they, it's not like they don't have a view. They, they have a position on what is worth funding and what isn't. Um, and so the flexibility um, uh, that, that is you know, approached when it comes to interacting with business, they don't rely on businesses to write the policy for them. Um, and actually, that's true across every single area of government policy, including apprenticeships. Um, and, and the view in government is that apprenticeships do have something that is uh, something innate about them in terms of duration, um, uh, getting a credential and quality, which is worth uh, having 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 invested so much time in trying to create something that has genuinely transformational outcomes for learners. It's worth supporting that and trying to make sure that they have the chance to grow and have the chance to be as successful as they can be. Um, so, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I fundamentally believe the government when they when they they say they're interested in listening. But I also think it's worth paying attention to the things they choose to back. And one of the things that we've seen over the last year is actually the, the Prime Minister and the Chancellor Rishi Sunak and and the Education Secretary and everyone else across government saying actually apprenticeships have a really valuable role to play in the in the skills ecosystem. Final word to you, Lizzie. Well, I think we're probably likely to see more tinkering around the edges, to be honest, rather than any fundamental reform such as that we're calling for. I don't think that the uh, you know levy transfer. I mean, that's that's just a small change. You know, sort of the the launching of these new apprenticeship sharing sort of things. We already had them for years with GTAs and ATAs. So I think potentially we we'll see much more tinkering around the edges, maybe paying a bit of lip service to employer feedback. But there's a groundswell of invoices employers' voices who are calling for change for greater flexibility um, to meet their skills needs. So, you know, watch this space, fingers crossed. 
indeed watch this space listen to this podcast <laughs> thank you very much to tim smith from multiverse and lizzie crowley senior skills advisor at the cipd and thank you to you for listening to this episode of all about apprenticeships if you want to get in touch to have your say on anything we've been talking about today you can find the home surf foundation on twitter at hsv underscore foundation just use the hashtag all about apprenticeships and if you enjoyed this episode please do leave a rating and hit subscribe it helps other people find us